welcome to the Junction Church Aberdeen podcast. We're so glad you chose to listen to this life-changing message. Hallelujah. Okay, we're carrying on our series uh, from Galatians uh, 2.20, our bare knuckle series, as has been nicknamed by um, Neil Munro, who, who called it, um, the first Sunday I started this, um, he called it bare knuckle preaching. And uh, I like the sound of that. I don't want to be on the end of it, but I enjoy giving it. <laughs> I remember some bare knuckle fights when I was at school. <laughs> and uh, I was always in a scrap or two. I remember my face coming out. I felt like my face was angled rather than round. <laughs> I felt like it had been squished in certain places. And, uh, but I was always confident that I'd done more squishing than I had been squished. So it was all right. And uh, so we're, here, we're starting here, and for those of you who haven't been here before, we, what we've been doing is uh, Galatians 2.20, and we're, we're, we're preaching from one verse for the, for the whole month, and um, we are um, just working off all the relative and related verses of this verse. And so Galatians 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This morning I want to concentrate on seven critical words. And the, um, I kind of feel I'm a little apprehensive this morning. It's, it's quite a, uh, a sort of a, a more meaty kind of message, if you can call it that. Um, but I want to concentrate on seven critical words. And these words define our faith, define our salvation, they define our hope. That define our life when we understand them, when people do not understand them, or when they haven't got the value of these seven critical words, then what happens is they're led into error and they're led into, uh, into a place of uh, where the actual hope of salvation misses them. And so, th- this is a critical part of this, word, th- this verse, and it's these words by faith in the Son of God. By faith in the Son of God is the most critical part of this verse. And by in all of that truth, there is an incredible revelation as to, as to who Jesus Christ is and what that means to us. It goes to, uh, let's go with me, will you, to Acts chapter 9 and verse 17. And this is a story of Paul, um, or was he, was he was known then as Saul. He was a Pharisee. And he was an intellectual that was running around killing and persecuting the Christians because of their gospel message and for what he saw because of their blasphemy. And so he was running around arresting them. While he is on his way, he is um, met with the Lord. A blazing light comes down, blinds him. He falls to his knees uh, and he says, Who are you, Lord? And Jesus says, I am the one. who you are persecuting. And so he, um, he uh, realizes, he gets a revelation. He's led blind um, to um, Damascus and uh, he's there. And while he's there um, praying and fasting, um, the Lord sends a, a man of God called Ananias. And we read from verse 17, Acts nine seventeen. It says, And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell 
from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Now this is one of the most amazing. See, see, Paul was persecuting because Jesus had said that he was the Son of God and the Christians believed that Jesus was the Son of God. He was persecuting and now he comes to the synagogues and he, because the, the Jewish um, tradition was that if any man, if any Jew had something of value to say, uh, particularly a Pharisee, then they would listen to him. And so he had an open door to get into the synagogue and preach the gospel and to declare the very thing that caused him the offense in the first place. And our entire faith hinges on this single revelation that, that you cannot get, I believe, a more critical part of our faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and is God. That's an important part of our revelation and, and it's something for which in the heart of mankind there has always been this, this error. We had, a, we had a, a friend, I mentioned her a while ago, she was here for a while, um, lived uh, up, in the, up here, she now lives back down in Eastbourne and when she got saved... She, she got saved. I, I don't know at what point someone gets saved, but she got saved. She gave her heart to the Lord, but it took her the best part of a year to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah. I think at the end of when she believed Jesus was the Son of God, she got saved. But she was kind of... The, uh, salvation is a journey. Yes. <laughs> and and uh, some people meet with Jesus Christ in an instant and touch and set free and, and liberate in the revelation. Some people take... Many days, months, sometimes it takes years for them to realize what it fully means to bow the knee and accept that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, we have to understand that when we speak about these things, we have to understand the culture in which these people lived. You see, blasphemy was something which we speak of today with a kind of slight irritation, but they it would move their hearts. It would be the most shocking and awful thing that you could say to them. And so if someone spoke blasphemy to a Jew, then blasphemy was just a horrific insult, a shock to their God, to their faith. You understand me here? And so when Jesus said he's the son of God, you either believed him or you were like it was blasphemous. You know, one of the things that I've noticed while traveling um, is that, you know, we travel all over Europe and being British, we have the privilege of just being allowed to speak our own language wherever we go. We don't have to learn another language because everybody else has learned English. And that's, you know, that makes us, the, I actually feel that makes us the ones who are missing out because then they go off and speak in their own language and you're going, okay. <laughs> 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 You're ignorant. And, and uh, so, but what I've noticed is this, is that people who, who's, who are European but are fluent in English have no problem using English swear words that we would find shocking. Yeah. Yeah. They have no problem at all because it doesn't mean anything to them. It's not offensive. 
to them. They know it's offensive to us, but they don't care because it's not offensive to them, so they don't mind. And I've, you know, I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard many Christians, even preachers, use words, and they just laugh. They think it's hilarious that we would use, um, they, that they would use swear words that are offensive to us. And and you know, so, um, but you know, we when I'm in Denmark, actually. Um, the most offensive uh, words that you can use is Lord and Satan. Um, they are the most offensive words. Um, but it's not how you, s- it, it's, it's how you say it that makes it offensive. And, and, and it, but you would look, if you were to say Lord or Satan, that wouldn't seem like a curse word to you, would it? It's like, you'd be like, doesn't, doesn't move you. But it, it sure as heck moves them. <laughs> It's like, and so you can understand that if somebody speaks a word which is, says something which moves you, it has a far deeper impact as to, to what you're talking about. And so this is a blasphemy. Actually, I think we have to come back to the... I was raised in a house where blasphemy was a slippering effect. If, if, if my parents thought that we'd even said something which was blasphemous, we, we were over the chair with a slipper. And that was, um, it was, a, it was a critical sort of element of our traditional Christian upbringing, that, that you don't blaspheme. But we live in an environment that, that uses the, God's name in vain, and we hear it so much we've just become blasé to it. And, and we may even joke and use the, God's name in jokes and humans just because we're, we're easygoing and we're charismatic and Pentecostal or whatever we are. And we, we, we just, we're okay with that stuff because it's funny. Who's with me here? <laughs> Everyone's going, what's he getting at? <laughs> Feeling bad. I don't want to feel bad. I want to come to church feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the Bible says, do not use the Lord's name in vain. In other words, you know, so what Lord's name? Well, all his names, I would say. <laughs> all his names. In other words, don't refer to him in a, in a frivolous way because that undermines who he is. Now, that's a, there's a critical point there, and I'm going to come back to its meaning, why this is important. But, see, when Jesus spoke, he spoke out and he said who he was. Jesus, Jesus is speaking um, to, the, um, to the Jews and he says in John chapter 5 verse 17, he says this, but Jesus answered them, my father has been working until now and I have been working. Therefore the Jews sought all the more to kill him because he not only broke the Sabbath, but also said that God was his father, making himself equal with God. Now, it is, we have to understand that, that when Jesus said God was his father, people knew then that that made him equal with his father, that to be the son of God meant that you were saying you were God. Now that's important to understand because many people have misunderstood who Jesus Christ is. And there are many religious structures and organizations which have taken Jesus and said Son of God, but not God. But the two cannot be separated. Jesus Christ is the Son of God and He is God. 
You understand me here? It's critical. I, I just went through some really important... It's, this is so critical how people gr- diminish the nature of Jesus Christ and the God nature of who He is. And uh, I want to get um, to what they do. It's, there's um, a number of organizations. Christadelphianism says that Jesus Christ was a man with a sin nature. Christian science says that he is an impersonal, universal presence, a man in tune with divine consciousness, not the Christ. Islam says he is a prophet, not God. Jehovah's Witnesses says he was a created being, Michael the Archangel, who became a man. Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, says that uh, God is three gods, he's a triad God, he's not a trinity, he's a triad. Created being, the brother of the devil and of all people. Theosophy says he is a created being and a great teacher. Unity, the church says he's an impersonal power, universal power, a created being, a man, not the Christ. Way International says he is a created being, a man, not God in flesh. Now this is the truth. All of these delusions and many more besides have something of value to say. Whoa, don't say that, that's terrible. I have family who were brought up in, in Islam. Brought up, and that's, that's their life, that's their tradition. And, and I can tell you something, their life is more pure, <laughs> their integrity is of more value, their values are more measurable than most Christians that I know. You with me here? I understand. I mean, <laughs> I might be shocking a few people here, right? Right. Religion can say all sorts of amazing and wonderful truths, but there is one truth which sets people free and makes all the other truth have power, not just value. Because many people, you meet people in the world and they, they live according to godly values but they don't live according to the power of them just the value of them they're blessed by the value but never living in the power because they don't know who Jesus Christ is and so we have to come back and understand never let it be watered down within your heart who Jesus Christ is he is the son of God he is God and being God it means it has he has a place and a position within your heart which is far greater than the frivolous nature in which we come to him on a normal day to day basis we've got to come back and understand that Jesus Christ he is the son of God he is God, and that is a critical thing. That when when Paul was speaking to the uh, to the church, and when he was preaching to them, he preached and he persuaded them that Jesus Christ is God. It had so much greater impact upon them because when you spoke about God, you spoke about someone who brought them to their knees, someone who shook them with fear, someone who they knew that God was not just this universal presence who's my mate. Now God is all of those wonderful things but we have to have the full spectrum of who He really is so that we understand the full power and the nature 
of way, what he is doing in our lives. We can never be fully active and empowered in the gospel if we don't fully understand the full nature of who Jesus Christ is. He wasn't just a good man who died upon a cross. Many good men have died and it hasn't changed anything. What, it, what Jesus Christ did is He took the full nature of humanity, its sinful and its wickedness, and He took it upon the cross and He took it into the grave. But you can't keep a good man down. <laughs> and you can't keep God down. You can't kill life. You can't kill life. And so when Jesus Christ, His human nature, He died and He went into the ground. But He is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And there He destroyed the works of darkness. There He took a hold of the keys of death and hell. There He reigned supreme. And when He rose again, He rose victorious. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. He rose to to a place supreme over our lives. And if we understand who God is over us, we understand that we bow the knee to someone far greater than we have ever comprehended before. John said this. And this is, this is what I want to get to. John said this in 1 John 5. We're going to read 10 to 13 and then on to verse 20. Verse 10 says this, He who believes in the Son of God has become the witness in himself. Let me read that again. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. That's important. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God, you're calling God a liar because he said he was. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. See, that's critically important. You can't have eternal life without a recognition and a bowing the knee to Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I've written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of of the Son of God. Now, this is where I want to get to this morning. And verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, that we, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now, this word here, there's a word in here that says understanding. We know that the Son of God has come and has given us Understanding. Now, understanding is not is your mind, it's your intellect, it's your being, but it's also your feeling and your knowing. For instance, if you you know your wife, your husband, you know them. There is an understanding. You know them intellectually, you know them, you feel them. There is a 
a feeling. You know each other even when you're not speaking to each other. You understand. You, you know your children. If you've got children, you know your children. You know your brothers and sisters, your mums and dads. Those people who are intrinsically closer to you than anybody else, there is an understanding of them, is there not? Something, when, when we give our hearts to the Lord, when we come to Him, it says here, and we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true. Now this is the critical part because the knowing is that there is a, when we know Him, we are changed. And what this means is that to live in the knowledge that He is the Son of God is to live in a place of revelation where our lives are radically changed. It's in the understanding. The Bible says in Romans 12 verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, be transformed by your understanding of Jesus Christ. By your confession that He is God. Now when we come to Jesus Christ, the Pharisees, they wanted to rewrite history. They wanted to take away Jesus as being the Son of God because it kept them in a place of control. All the time that Jesus was not God in their mind, they could control the environment. Every single religious organization that defers Jesus into human nature, universal power, some kind of agnostic sort of place or Gnosticism or one of those weird places, all of those kind of things, every time they do that, what happens is they create a place of control that is not God. In other words, they become the church that governs over and you become subject to the church and not subject to Christ. And that is called deception. And all the time that's happening, the church, the governing religious organization means that they are demanding you bow the knee to man and not to God. We have to come to this place where we know Jesus Christ is the Son of God and we bow the knee to Jesus Christ who is the head of the church. He is the one who makes us all a part of the church of Jesus Christ. We are the body of Jesus Christ and we bow the knee to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We come to a place of revelation and a place of understanding within our minds. We know that when we bow the knee, we are changed. As, as John the um, Baptist says, I must decrease that he must increase. There is, a, there is a shift. You see, when, you, when the Jews understood that Jesus was God, it meant that they had to give everything to Jesus. Because He was God. We don't live with a God perspective in our lives. We don't have the history of what, it, what God means to us. And so, so many people, you introduce that pe- God to people, but they don't have the, the historical 
kind of knowledge, understanding the full impact of who he really is and, and what it really means that, that he fills the universe with his presence. That is, his knowledge is without limitation. That his power is supreme in all areas. That, and that the silly things like the devil is minute in his presence. He is God. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we bow the knee to Jesus Christ. And we, we, you know what? I believe there is a blasphemy. And the blasphemy is not just speaking the name of Jesus Christ. It is not honoring the name with our lives. It's not living a life that is humble before Him. Let me finish with this in Philippians chapter 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded or having the same understanding as me. Having the same love. Being of one accord. Having one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. Or let not man be head in this situation, but bow the knee. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, this understanding which was in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That's a critical. That's a critical part of the revelation because we see here that Paul is speaking to the Philippian church. He said Jesus is equal with God. He is God. He's part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But he made himself of no reputation. Taking the form of a bond servant, coming in the likeness of men and being found in the, in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth, of those under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God and the Father. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. We often say we've got to work out our salvation. But what we think in working it out is, how do I be, how do I, how do I, be more Christian but Paul has laid it out here how to work it out it's it's, as simple as ABC it's called bow the knee humble your heart confess Jesus Christ is Lord and love other people with all your heart and and don't allow yourself to become God in your own eyes Jesus Christ is God he is the son of God and anything else is a deception which leads us into a ignorance and a an arrogance of heart which binds up our lives and stops us from being able to love the church and love one another and give ourselves for the kingdom of God as Jesus Christ gave his.
We are called to lay down our lives and love Jesus Christ and honour Him. And in that calling, we have such reward. We have such pleasure. We have such strength. We have such breakthrough. Paul went from strength to strength. He ran around trying to kill Christians. He gets saved. He discovers that Jesus Christ is God. And he goes into all the synagogues. And he grows in boldness. And he grows in strength. And he grows in influence. Because he declares that he has come for no other purpose than to preach Jesus Christ and the price that he paid upon the cross and that which he has done. That is the central theme of everything we do and everything we say. We can teach and teach all about every single technical process of being a better Christian. But there is no finer revelation than this, than Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he is the Lord of your life. For more information about the church, visit us online at www.thejunctionchurch.com or come along and see for yourself in one of our services.